0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network
1: antipodean's ascendant south africa are shambles AB davili on standby the uh, start air quotes world stop air quotes cup is warming up nicely and this is gc world cup extra Welcome to episode one of GC World Cup Extra, our weekly review, preview, wrap-up and uh, general forensic dissection of uh, the 2019 Men's World Cup from Guerrilla Cricket, your favourite source of independent cricket commentary. I'm Nakul Pandey. I'll be your host for the next several weeks and I'm, uh, have, uh, I'll have two people uh, with me from the Gorilla Firmament. Uh, to uh, go through uh, the week's action and have a look ahead. Uh, I'm joined uh, for episode one, our uh, inaugural show by Paul Grubby Howarth. Hello,
2: everyone. I've been here for three days, so I'm tired and emotional and a bit weak, but um, I shall
1: give of my best... Yes, we, uh, we haven't let him out. We've had him chained to uh, the uh, chair, the central missionary position. And uh, he, we are joined by a man who's just seen his West Indies side uh, lose uh, what uh, turned into a very good game in the end to uh, uh, Australia. Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt.
0: I'm here, the resident agitator-in-chief. Um, yeah, I've seen my team lose, but I'm still feeling relatively confident that West Indies are going to win this thing.
1: Yeah, we're recording on the 6th of June, not long after uh, Australia's victory against the West Indies at Trent Bridge. Australia and New Zealand have won uh, two games each. Uh, South Africa have been an absolute shambles, uh, losing three from three. And apparently A.B. de Villiers rang up uh, the night before and saying, hey, lads, I'm free if you want me. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, uh, there's been some uh, wonderful performances in this, in this tournament already uh, from pretty much every team has got a, a highlight of some kind, even Sri Lanka, who, uh, where everyone's uh, bet to be the biggest shambles of all going in uh, to the tournament. I'll start with you, Paul, um, how, how have you seen the World Cup so far and kind of what, uh, what stands out for you from, uh, from the week or so of cricket we've seen? Um, Well, what I would say is I think the tournament has
2: absolutely burst into life. It probably started a little bit quietly from last Thursday through to the weekend, and we saw a couple of one-sided games over the weekend with Australia uh, taking Afghanistan to the cleaners and New Zealand taking Sri Lanka to the cleaners even more. And then I think from the Bangladesh-South Africa game at the Oval on Sunday, when uh, the atmosphere was superb, um, I I must say actually that um, some of my local club, Mitcham Cricket Club, sent... Uh, about 15 or so kids who are part of the Guard of Honour there. And uh, that was a, a thrill for them. And uh, But I think that game overall, the, the, the but Bangladesh fans have been absolutely out of this world, I think. And um, they made the place rock. And the team didn't let them down at all, putting on 330-odd and then bowling out South Africa uh, and thoroughly deserving their victory. And I think from them we've seen um, pretty much good games wall-to-wall and back-to-back including what we called a mini-classic the other day and that, even that rain-affected game between Sri Lanka and Afghanistan that ended up being uh, really exciting. Uh, England's narrow loss to Pakistan, a resurgent, rejuvenated Pakistan. And, um, and then today's match between Australia and West Indies, uh, both of whom I fully still expect to be in the final four come the end of this round-robin phase. So it does feel like it's sparked into life a lot over the last uh, four days or so. not know what everyone else thinks about that.
1: Yeah, MASH, what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you throw in actually yesterday, uh, Bangladesh, New Zealand, which went right down to the wire in the, in the gloom at the Kennington Oval. Uh, Bangladeshi fans weeping into their stuffed tigers. Yeah, MASH, um, would you go along with that? or you say that the, uh, the tournament has, uh, has had that spark?
0: Yeah, I think um, Grubby, Grubby's hit the nail on the head there. We had a really, I don't know if it was a slow start, but I think we had a start where everyone was like, is this going to be a predictable World Cup? where all the teams you expect to win win the games that they're expected to win. And then from Bangladesh to South Africa started, which, do we call it an upset in a 10-team elite tournament? Oh, is that an upset? No. Um, but from that game onwards, every single game has kept me gripped, certainly. Um, and it's lived up to the billing of what you would expect a World Cup to be, to the point now where I think... Would any of us find it hard to believe that anybody can beat anybody on a given day? Pretty much. Beyond Afghanistan. Pretty much. And I
2: think <laughs> another, another thing that we've
0: spoken about, isn't it? Is, uh, is if this. you're keeping home at score, that's
1: uh, <laughs> strike one for
0: uh,
2: Marshalls and Patrick Hewitt. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, it's not been the complete run fest that we, that some observers were expecting. It's not been 400, 400. It's not even been 350, 350 for the most part. It, we've seen some really good games that have been 200 and odd, 200 and odd. Uh, some have called it old fashioned one day cricket the other thing I think is important within that is that chasing uh, in, in this early part of the World Cup appears to be far more difficult than when you're not in a World Cup and England, as England found to their cost for example against uh, Pakistan the other day as um, South Africa have found a couple of times in their three losses um, so I, I think that is, and also individually we've only seen three tons in the tournament so far two from uh, England players, Root and Butler in a losing cause and then one sublime one from Rohit doing what Rohit does to take uh, India through to ultimately a comfortable victory uh, in their first game yesterday yeah, but there's, there's not, been, not been the absolute glut of runs that some were expecting and I think that's overall a good thing
1: I think, it's, I think it's very good that we haven't seen a pattern develop in this World Cup there's been very little, even games at even two games at the same ground I haven't gone the same way and I think that's very very good this is an incredibly long tournament despite the fact that it's cut down to 10 teams you know we'll be doing this well into the middle of July folks uh, stick around uh, for uh, for all of that um, it, it's very important that we don't get into that sort of rhythm that sort of formulaic predictable rhythm with which with which is often used as a stick with which to beat what? one-day international cricket, but actually, one-day inter- international cricket is well capable of producing um, serious, as you say, mash uh, gripping drama, which keeps us on the edge of uh, on the edge of our seats. Um, and grubby, as you say rightly, uh, the ball has been um, far more powerful a uh, force in this World Cup than many have uh, have uh, thought it would be, uh, given the scores in England and given how. Um, given how Trent Bridge in particular has been an absolute yeah. run fest over the last uh, few years. And uh, it's there's been some absolutely wonderful fast bowling, particularly fast short
3: bowling. Yes. Let's see, he's in again to Amla. Oh, Ooh. now he's wrapped on the grill as he tries to pull that. That looked a little bit quick for him, and he looks worried. He's going to take Top his edge. hat off. Archer up to the crease. Bowls a shorter ball, which is hit up in the air as it gone towards mid-off. It's the simplest of catches for Moeen Ali, and that is the end of van der Dusen. Mm, uh, now, well, we have an interesting change of bowling. Jason Holder's bowled two overs for 20, and I can understand why he's taking himself off. And into the attack, into the attack, comes big, bad, big, bad Andre Russell uh, with his streak of blonde down the middle of his head. Uh, here he is, bustling up once more. Back of a leg. That's a lovely delivery. I think he's, he's got, got the edge. He's got another wicket. <laughs> what a ball that was. He really let that go, and it got bigger on Harris to Hale than he could control.
1: And we saw, um, we've seen pretty much every team in the tournament, with the exception, I think, of Sri Lanka. Uh, actually, no, scratch that. Every team in the tournament, because Nwan Pradeep bowled an absolutely wonderful yeah, spell did, yeah. uh, against the Thurman We've seen every team in the tournament uh, come in with fast bowling, even if it's not been uh, a proper old school bouncer barrage. Fast bowling that has troubled uh, the opposition. And it is, that is not something you could say even four years ago. No, and I think we had a couple of clues
2: ahead of the tournament as well. I remember reading an article by Pat Cummings that I mentioned a couple of times on air where he said, look everyone, I think that the short delivery for us fast bowlers is going to be a real weapon in this tournament and is going to be a wicket-taking delivery. Um, and those words have, have been uh, proven correct and a bit prophetic as that short clip uh, has shown. Um, it really has been, um, A, overall, the, the ball has been more on top than people might have expected and B, uh, fast bowlers sort of across the, the board have troubled batsmen um, uh, and, and many of them yeah new predict the other day it was an excellent spell uh, some absolutely irresistible short fast bowling from the West Indies battery of uh, pace bowlers the other day too good for Pakistan but Pakistan has since come back from that
1: yeah I'm going to come on to, to Mash in a second to get his, his views on uh, on the West Indies um, Mash is not one who who subscribes to the lazy nostalgia tinge romanticism of some uh, West Indies fans and West Indies cricket observers but I just want to highlight one spell uh, of fast bowling that was ultimately only got one wicket but uh, uh, this man bowled one of the great unsuccessful spells in one day cricket Chris
3: Chris Chris because it's Chris, it's Chris, it's Chris, Maurice, because it's Chris.
1: fast, disconcerting length, uh, disconcerting bounce from a length rather, uh, serious uh, C movement, which troubled even some of the best in the world. He had wrote Sharma and Shekhar Dhawan and Virat Kohli yep. groping around. And eventually he got that wicket off the short ball, the bouncer, which, uh, uh, which he took that incredible catch uh, off or that catch that was well, incredibly, yeah. incredibly high. The stump almost went up his and, uh, yeah. and yes, ended up almost impaling himself on the stumps. Yeah, mash um, without um, sort of, Maroon, maroon-tinted glasses, as it were, or uh, a, uh, a Google glass that's set to 1975. Um, the West Indies weren't expected to do much with the ball in this tournament, but how impressed have you been with, with their plans and their execution of them?
0: Well, it's really interesting because Sir Grubby made a point about Pat Cummins, and um, when the West Indies announced their World Cup squad, Floyd Reefer, the interim coach, and Jimmy Adams at the press conference both said... Um, because there were many eyebrows raised about the selection of the squad in the bowling uh, category. Shannon Gabriel, first ODI pick in two years. Kimar Roach was out of form but was back in the team. Old Shane Thomas is here. Andre Russell was back. Obviously Jason Holder. And I remember very clearly Floyd Reeve from Jimmy Adams saying, we believe that fast bowling is going to play a crucial role in this tournament. Um, and we are expecting to go fast and short and cause teams problems. And true to form, that's exactly what's taking place. So either a lot of teams and or players have been clued up beforehand about what there was to expect, because most fans were expecting maybe more runs than, than short, hostile bowling, not just from the West Indies, but other teams as well. Yeah, I think it's,
1: it's also it's a coping mechanism for the bowlers. Uh, you're not going to be able to restrict teams. Uh, you're not going to be able to contain teams very easily on on good batting pitches, and you shouldn't be able to. Uh, you shouldn't be able to just bowl dry to good batting teams on good pitches. And so yeah. you've got to come up with a with an attacking weapon. Uh, and whether it's been short bowling, whether it's been wrist spin. There's a glut of wonderful wrist spinners in this tournament. And I know uh, Grubby yep. and I are united in our yep. uh, love of Adil Rashid. And of, and of uh, India's two wrist spinners called um, it particularly i 'm a huge fan of yeah yeah, for sure, and used Ven Jaharbo brilliantly yeah, the other day did, against yeah, against South Africa, um, kind of as expected i guess but uh, um, but but that going going hard, going on the attack, trying to get wickets early, has paid dividends for a lot of teams, and I think that a lot of teams now are going to be very cautious against the West Indies yeah. and might end up in a situation where they end up going very, very slowly at the start of their innings and trying to play out that fast bowl of barrage.
2: You need, you need variety, don't you, to win any cricket match. So uh, I don't think any of us would advocate um, it being a, a, a unique policy. So we're only going to bowl short pitch, fast deliveries. You wouldn't get away with it. Uh, but, the other, but, you know, it's a, ve- it's a, it's a very legitimate tactic uh, but you've got to plan it and execute it well. And you've also got to be very accurate as the bowler doing that. Because, as I said earlier on, you've basically got the height of somebody's head. That's your, that's your window to aim at. You, you want it to be above that person's, the, the batsman's shoulder to make it difficult to play, or just below, uh, and, not be lo- and not above the top of their head, because otherwise it will be called uh, a wide on height. Um, and we did see a few of those wides early in Australia's innings from what the West Indies bowlers today. But uh, ultimately it paid dividends, and they had them at 30-odd for four, uh, and the wicket of Usman Kawaja was a case in point there, where they forced him back, forced him back, forced him back, then threw him a uh, a wide full one, and he drove at it with no feet movement at all, got caught behind, and so that um, yeah, that that's it's it's been a joy to see. I don't want it to, to become the only tactic that teams feel they can use. You've got to be able to uh, introduce a bit of uh, canny dob as well, and um, and the spin bowling is going to be equally important. But I am pleased to see, and it is a thrill of the game to watch 90 mile per hour bowling and uh, batsmen trying to uh, to score runs where they can from it.
1: Yeah, I read an interesting piece by Trent Bolt today where he's saying that the these Duke balls are a bit... Glo- uh, sorry, these white kookaburra balls are a little bit glossier than normal and so that's aiding swing. The balls are staying shinier for longer and we've seen some reverse swing. We saw Wahab reverse swing in it uh, the other day. We saw Mustafi Zur uh, under lights at the oval uh, reverse swing it the other day and uh, Joss Butler said in... Uh, in one of the Pakistan ODIs, the one where we got the hundred, uh, that the, both teams were getting reverse swing uh, at the end of their innings, uh, and so all of those people complaining that the you know the Kukabora does nothing, that there's nothing in it for the bowlers, um, I think we've seen the bowlers play a huge part in this tournament, and it's it's made it all the better. I don't subscribe to the theory that a low scoring thriller uh, is is the best uh, is the best no, type of it game. Might, it might you know, be two thirty <laughs> played two thirty. I think for every two thirty there is. Uh, a real nail biter. There's many, many more which are very facile chases uh, for the uh, for the team batting second, and, and most good sides should be able to chase 230 to 260 very, very easily uh, on a decent pitch. Um, Talking of fast bowlers, talking of West Indians, uh, we've asked, uh, the way this is going to work is that we're going to ask our guests every week to pick out a a moment of the week. And uh, uh, Grubby's, yours belongs to a West Indian fast bowler, but uh, not with ball in hand.
3: Shane Thomas in again to Smith. He's across and he whips that away in the air. Oh, my word! Now, you think Ben Stokes has taken a great catch in the World Cup? Well, Sheldon Cottrell, let's salute him, irrespective of who he's saluting, because that is absolutely astonishing it was a great shot it has to be said he was running around the boundary edge he just stuck out the paw and it stuck it was absolutely brilliant yeah it didn't
2: quite stick because um, he, he had to uh, fetch it back from beyond the boundary Uh, Well, his momentum was carrying him over the boundary. And one of those ones, he had to flick it back inside the playing area, running round the outside of the boundary, coming back into the play area before completing the catch. It was a brilliant... And actually, Cottrell would have been fantastic in that area already. He'd been diving and saving runs down in that that position, uh, sporting what I can only describe as disco panda shades for extra effect. Um, And this was just one of those sensational catches that you never would have seen um, 10 years ago. Uh, where the ball has gone for six, essentially, but because you have uh, reached out and you, you're not over the boundary, but you've saved it he's flicked it back in, he's effected the catch. And uh, even though he went and did his fairly tiresome salute celebration again, that that was a moment. The catch w- itself was a moment of absolute joy. My prosecco
1: moment of the <laughs> tournament so far. <laughs> that was a moment worthy of uh, of a salute of um, and of milking the moment a little bit, uh, as did uh, the man who provided uh, mashes. Uh, T- moment of the tournament uh, so far the man obliquely referred to in that wonderful bit of commentary by Nigel Henderson
3: as uh, Rashid Bowles and this is slapped over mid-wicket and there's an attempted catch has he taken it oh and oh, oh, Stokes has pulled out an absolute oh, worldie God. on the boundary God. at deep mid-wicket it was spanked beautifully by Fechlu but Stokes has jumped up he was about 10 yards inside the rope and has clutched it with one hand he's pulled it out of the air and that is brilliant
0: mash i don't think i can beat that um i've been trying to work out how you can best describe um that catch from stokes and in the end i've decided um it was as if he was climbing a crystal maze type cage um and just stuck out an arm and we have to understand with this stokes catch that he wasn't even looking at the ball as far as i could tell um was hunched over like the hunchback of notre dame and somehow caught it in mid-air And I guess the reason why I picked this moment of the week isn't because it's England, but because you have to remember this was the first game of the World Cup. And most people remember a World Cup for a moment. They don't remember it necessarily because of the winners, unless they smashed everyone for the whole tournament. They remember it for one, that highlight moment. And uh, similar to like a Gordon Banks save from Pele, if Stokes ends up hitting the crucial runs in the World Cup final, You won't even necessarily remember it for that. You'll remember it for the catch that sparked the There's an
1: astonishing still that is taken. He was at deep mid-wicket. The still's taken from the other side of the ground at sort of extra cover. And you see exactly right. You see his right hand twisting up the ball, only half in it. You see him looking at the crowd. It's almost as though he's caught it and is already planning how he's going to celebrate. Uh, He's... What four feet off the ground there, uh, going goalkeeper style with that wrong hand—an astonishing bit of athleticism—and as you say, that just that went round the world on Twitter within seconds and got everyone talking about this World Cup.
2: Yeah, well, it was with the top hand, as you rightly like you say. So you imagine a goalkeeper diving away to his left. And so his, his left hand might be the natural one to go with. But instead of that, you go with your top hand, the right hand in this instance. And I remember Paul Collingwood taking a similar catch, but at backward point, a much flatter, still a brilliant, amazing catch. And this one from Stokes. And you see this sort of thing uh, in baseball quite frequently. Players go, but they're wearing the, one of those bloody enormous mitts, so they're allowed to catch them. This from Stokes was uh, just uh, an incredible piece of, piece of athleticism. And actually, the, um, his, his reaction to it made me laugh as well, because he sort of, first of all, he just stood there uh, not really knowing what to do and then put his hands on his hips as if to say what on earth have I done there and then the crowd behind him made me laugh as everyone went mad and there was one bloke that was very very difficult to please just sort of went yeah
1: clap yeah what well a mate there was if ever there was a moment to go are you not entertained that that was absolutely it and it, it has shown the levels to which fielding has has ascended in recent years Uh and I think the Shelton Cottrell catch is another perfect example of that running round the boundary catch, uh, perfectly judging the boundary rope, uh, perfectly uh, judging the flight of the ball. And planning out your next move, planning that right. I'm going to catch this, but I'm going to be able. To, I'm going to run outside the boundary, so I'm going to have to let go of it. I'm going to have to throw it up at the perfect height and the perfect pace for me to have time to stop my momentum, come round, jump back over the rope again, not touching the rope, and catch it. And assessing all that in the blink of an eye. Yeah. And those things are specifically practiced now. You used to get players, the absolute athletic freaks of the world. Uh, doing that kind of on instinct, but now teams practice that, yeah. and so you're now getting gigantic fast bowlers uh, pulling off uh, wonder catches like that. Uh, incidentally, watch out for Trent Bolt at some point in this tournament. Uh, absolutely well capable of, of uh, adding uh, to this to the highlights reel. Uh, the one other uh, wonderful catch was taken uh, by the South African wicketkeeper, uh, who uh, has uh, the eyes of a man who's about to cry.
3: Oh, and this is, uh, oh, he's got it. Oh, has got it. What a catch! Bellacueh dropped that one short. Coley was looking to loft it, I think, over uh, slips in the wicketkeeper. And Quinton de Kock just flung himself. And a right arm outstretched. And Coley has gone. The South Africans are absolutely jubilant.
1: It turned out not to be a pivotal moment in the game because South Africa weren't able to make a, uh, a seriously challenging score. But Quinton de Kock uh, has been pretty much the only moment of... Uh, uh, the only player, apart from that spell from Chris Morris, uh, to uh, to really enliven South Africa. We yeah, have it, to talk it, about South Africa.
2: Yeah, well, let's just talk about that moment for, for a bit more. I mean, it, 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 was, it felt like a big moment at the time because it was Coley, who was the man who was dismissed, in much the same way as uh, Cottrell's catch today got rid of uh, Steve Smith, who was in settling in for the long term, You fancied. So at, at, the, at the time that um, de cock dived away to his right, took that brilliant one-handed catch behind the sticks, Uh, Kohli looked discombobulated and as if to say how dare you do you know who I am and um, uh, although Rohit turned it into a procession in a way by just being Rohit and not even getting out of second gear um, uh, yeah it it
1: really was a big moment in the course of the game at that particular moment. Mash where do South Africa go from here and how have they got here?
0: Well they're going out of the tournament. Aeroplane to both Um. (laughs) answers? So I think we can say goodbye to South Africa. There's no way they're coming back from this. Um, and I'm trying to say that to get them to come back from this. But um, where have they gone wrong? The England defeat, I think they could chalk that one up to That was expected. You can't, you can't hold that against South Africa. Del Steyn was injured. We knew that South Africa's trump card was their bowling. Um, so everyone expects them to lose to England however easily it came the one that really made me doubt this South African side was the performance against Bangladesh because bowl- they, they inserted Bangladesh, um, which I thought was a mistake in and of itself. I absolutely agree. It played perfectly into Bangladesh's hands. And then the bowling was just listless. It was, it was, they almost, I think I tweeted at the time and said, they're bowling as if they're playing Bangladesh of 2015, where you assume that Bangladesh will just tamins out and then they fall like a pack of cards. And I was watching it like not believing what I was seeing just trundling in bowling the same line even everyone looked down on pace Rabada didn't look threatening um, and they you know that kind of phrase where it's like if we bowl something will eventually happen um, so Bangladesh yeah. batted them out of the game yeah. and at that point yeah. almost batted uh, them out uh, of uh, the uh, World uh, Cup going
1: back to what I was saying at the start that's not going to happen Bangladesh are a seriously solid seriously settled seriously well led team and they had clear plans Somio Sarkar is going to attack from ball one he is going to go hard at the bowling, whoever it is. Yeah. And he he took on Kaiso Rabada. He took on Lungi and Gidi and Gidi, who uh, has had uh, a hamstring injury and uh, may not be, be fit for South Africa's next yeah. game against the West Indies. Uh, incidentally, so the West Indies could be the executioners, uh, uh, putting the yeah. final nail into the uh, already heavily nailed <laughs> South African coffin. Uh, but I think you're absolutely right. They played into Bangladesh's hands. Uh, South Africa can defend 290; they can't chase 320. And well, it's all of those old insecurities that, from South Africa that are coming up from World Cups of, of uh, times gone past. I,
2: I think we might see a bit of a sea change in this tournament with, with teams uh, electing to bat first to put a score on, on the board, given how difficult it is, how relatively difficult it appears to be to chase under World Cup uh, conditions. Uh, England have found it to their cost, South Africa have found it to their cost, uh, and west indies found it to their cost today having won the toss and, and put australia in so and new I, zealand
0: as well nearly came on stop. nearly came yeah, on to top it the just got over the
2: line in the end. so i reckon we might see that reversing from now
1: on yeah it's a bit of a it's a it is obviously a gamble bowling first you can win the game bowling first in a way that you can't win the game batting first but the only team so far in this tournament uh, to be set a decent score and chase it down comfortably were india and that was against yep. a very dejected uh, South African team. And India have that particular strength in their uh, in their locker. That's something they've been very very good at for a very very yeah, long I th- time.
2: I think South Africa have been a bit unlucky as well. I thought they controlled the first half of the game against England, restricting England to you know what we what we thought was perhaps a little below par. It's weird to be saying that about a score of three thirty. Um, in the end, they capitulated in their batting. South Africa in that game. I thought they they. Uh, bowled and fielded pretty well against um against India. Um and just came on started without Rohit I mean that's a big it's a big if isn't it? Without Rohit it would have been very close and you know, he was comfortable enough but it wasn't a, it wasn't an absolute trouncing. Um, and, and you, you know, your man Chris Morris who you mentioned earlier on um, bowled an excellent spell and couldn't quite drag his team back into it but it was a it was a stellar spell of, of uh, hostile bowling and short bowling and he was one for thirty odd his final mm-hmm. figures. So um yeah and South Africa are not dead in this tournament yet and that maybe that says something about a 10 team format tournament where you lose your first three and, and you can still be in it but there we are that's a, that's a different discussion
1: yeah a 10 team tournament with a with a round robin it is not yet dead for South Africa but I'm, I'm leaning more towards MASH I think they've basically got to win sure it's more likely they've got to win probably every game certainly five uh, and you can see this being an, a very very long tournament for South Africa and and South African fans, I really don't know quite how you psychologically deal with the, the second four games when you've lost the first five and are already out of the tournament. Uh,
2: well, maybe maybe uh, they'll have to show us in a couple game games. Well, 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 abso- well
1: absolutely. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave uh, South Africa there licking their wounds. Uh, we'll break uh, tradition with uh, every other World Cup uh, uh, bit of audio and actually talk about New Zealand. Uh, because they are top of the table uh, on net run rate, but they are top of the table and have won uh, games in uh, in very contrasting fashions.
3: Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, they're, they're a, they've they've always gone under the radar a bit, haven't they, uh, New Zealand? Um, uh, Unjustly, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, look, they're, they're a great side. I mean, Ross Taylor is the embodiment of it in many ways. He goes about his business. Some say that he's... Uh, a slightly a batsman out of time. He's, he's not bish-bash-bosh. He scores a, a perfectly acceptable uh, strike rate of around about late 80s, early 90s. Um, he always seems to get runs, certainly in the last World Cup cycle of four years. He's
1: one of the top scorers, I think. in the, Yes, um, second only to Virat Kohli, averaging a shade under 70.
2: Yeah. Um, and another great innings for his side the other day. Couldn't quite hang on to the end to see it through for his side, but ultimately laid the foundations for that victory uh matt henry has been superb with the ball for them t- i think taking two fourfers um they've got good variety they've got great team spirit they are gun fielders. Uh, they are top of the table and, and yeah i mean uh, the very fact that we're only mentioning them now in the podcast and they're top of the table albeit after two games is perhaps um you know testament but they are probably quite like it like that like not too much attention just go about our business and we'll see where we are after after those nine round robin games and they may well uh, still be in, in that crucial four.
1: I know MASH and I have a very different opinion on the the potential finishing position of, of New Zealand. MASH, put the case against
0: the Kiwis. They're overrated. Um. How so, MASH? How so? <laughs> um, OK, listen, I get it. The Kiwis are a solid team. Um, and the thing is i'm listening to what you've actually said about the kiwis and i'm finding it hard to put a case against them i guess do you know what i'm speaking with my heart here they don't excite me as a side i think they get the job done i don't find them a very exciting one day side um to watch and maybe that's why i think i'm kind of wanting them to be out as opposed to actually having any logic as to why they should be out having seen south africa flounder i'm now willing to agree with knuckle that new zealand will get into that top four um, unless the West Indies can prevent them doing so. Um, I'm just looking because I was just reminding myself of the kind of the scorecard from their earlier matches. And one thing I would say is New Zealand have had the easiest start. Now you're going to say, but they had to play Bangladesh. But come on, if you could have two teams to start with in the tournament, Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, no wonder they're top.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it has been friendlier than some, but uh, they've, dub- they've got the job done in eventually very professional fashion yeah. at the Oval, uh, with uh, Mitchell Santner uh, eventually seeing them home. Uh, and also the man who is my uh, man of the week for the first week of the World Cup, Matt Henry.
3: You can never trust a man with your first name.
1: New Zealand have come uh, a long way, even from the side that got to the final of the 2015 uh, World Cup. Trent Bolt hasn't been quite at his best, although still very good. Tim southey has been injured, but they haven't missed him, seemingly. Will he get back in the side when he's fit? Uh, it's an interesting one. He and Lockie Ferguson, I think, will be a very interesting uh, shout uh, for New Zealand. Their next game is against Afghanistan at Taunton oh, uh, on start, on, uh, on Saturday. Uh Mash is continuing to be down on uh, on the West Indies. <laughs>
3: no, what, New Zealand. On New Zealand.
1: Uh, on, uh, on New Zealand. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you're very 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 up on uh, on the West Indies. I think they are certainly in that chasing pack uh, for uh, those third and fourth semi-final slots. But I've I have uh, been saying for months that New Zealand would finish third in uh, the round robin. I have seen absolutely nothing to dissuade me. What makes of you that opinion? Think just out
0: just just quickly. What is it about them that you think makes them so good?
1: Because they ab- everyone in that team knows their role and you look at they've got powerful openers who are going to go hard at the top of the order they anchor themselves around Williamson and Taylor Tom Latham has been very uh, effective in a very understated uh, manner. Henry Nichols has been very good at number six. We haven't yet seen him because he's also recovering from an injury. Uh, they've got the all-rounders in Jimmy Neesham, and Colin de Grondom and Mitchell Santner. Uh, Santner and Sothi give them a, a, a quality of spin bowling that they didn't have last time because Daniel Vettori was really on his last legs uh, by the 2015 World Cup. Uh, he was a, a very good containing bowler but he wasn't uh, a consistent wicket taker and they've got depth in in, uh, in the fast bowling and I think they're the best fielding team in the tournament by, by some I'll distance. Give you that. Yeah, I'll give you that.
2: Yeah, no, you, you put a very good case. A really well balanced side. Um, obviously, the, the like Brendan McCullum in previous years was the, the, was the, the most exciting uh, player that they that they had. The, the kind of the global star, if you like. And without him, they feel much from the outside. They feel much more kind of uh, uniformly
1: together, if you like. I think it's a, le- it, they're they're not riding away from emotion uh, quite as they were under Brendan McCullum, particularly at home. Uh, this doesn't seem to me a side that will get massively deflated if, for example, in the final Martin Guptill charges Joffrey Archer and gets bowled.
2: <laughs> well, I'd settle for that outcome. As we sit here, <laughs> uh, the final between those two teams, it would be a good one. But yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, coming up, we'll talk briefly about uh, about England. We're not going to go uh, wildly in depth on on every team, but uh, yeah, England, uh, the bubble of invincibility that some might have thought uh, surrounded them has been. Uh, has been uh, burst but I, I don't know if we've learnt anything more about England than we didn't already know
2: uh, I, I, no, I don't think there was an air of invincibility about England anyway you, always, playing this way you're always going to have the odd day where uh, it doesn't go for you uh, and, and sometimes with sort of spectacularly abysmal consequences getting bowled out for 120 but or 30 we've or not something. seen that yet either no we haven't seen that yet um, but, but that said I, I want I sort to of focus attention to the game that England lost on, on Pakistan who I thought were excellent on the day in everything that they that they, they did, um, you know the bowling in particular i suppose was uh, was was really admirable and um, despite the fact that England had two centurions in that chase couldn 't get over the line and This is another example for me that says that Teams might elect to to put sides in rather than bat first. But, listen, England have done well doing it a certain way. It probably won't happen. They'll stick to those guns. But all credit to Pakistan for winning that game the other day. That said, as an England fan, am am I too worried about losing that particular game? I'm not. Um, I still expect over the course of nine games, England to win six or seven of them and and get through to the the semi-finals.
1: Yeah, we haven't seen England play close to full capacity yet.
2: Yeah, you've seen glimpses of it, you? you know. Um, eventually, Joss Butler has the chance to do something on a genuinely world stage. Although he's obviously done lots in the IPL, uh, the freakish talent that he is. Uh, ben Stokes, another global superstar, um, who I'll be speaking about in just a moment, I think, uh, who who just has everything and is the most ridiculous one hundred and ten percent throw yourself into concrete walls athlete. Um, Jofra Archer, who has, has shown he's already to the man of born and will already, will be the next global superstar or one of them. So yeah, I fully expect England to uh, to come through this group stage with flying colours. And that's not me being an arrogant England fan. Well, maybe it is. Who cares? I am. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I don't want to deflect away from what Pakistan did the other day. They were absolutely
1: superb. They certainly were. There, some of their bowlers coming back into form after a very long time. Uh, Mash, I asked you to put the case against New Zealand. I'm going to ask you to switch your focus to the other uh, Antipodean table topper. Tell me why Australia actually are the
0: real deal, because I still don't see it. So, um, Warner and Smith are gun batsmen. Everyone knows this. I think maybe Steve Smith's um, tears notwithstanding, um, maybe we've all forgotten that he was the best batsman in the world prior to... Prior to um, scratching up the ball. And um, you don't bring back two of the best batsmen in the world to a team that has been struggling almost to find its essence and soul over the last year and it not galvanised the entire team as a result. Now, I know that they weren't exactly pulling up trees before those two um, disappeared, certainly in ODI cricket. But sometimes, and I speak about this as a sports fan in general, sometimes the stars are just aligning in your favor and there's no tangible thing you can point to that says and this is why i just sense it and i sensed it today grubby and i were on comms today with the windies match i sensed it today At no point did i think the west indies have got this because i all, you heard me say it on comms grubby it was like there's more moments coming yeah in this. are, I are, are they off.
1: mercurial are they unpredictable are they pakistan no, what they Who, are. West
0: Indies
2: or Australia? Australia. Australia. No, no, they no are Australia are very different. That's what they of fish. are ruthless, and I'll give you another word streetwise. What they were today, they were, they were more, far more streetwise than West Indies. West Indies did hold the destiny of that game in their palms on more than one occasion, most notably when Australia were 30 odd for four early in the innings, and they could have. Persisted with their with their opening bowlers rather than you've got very
1: long on to by the way on Nathan Coulter Nile being the fourth fourth, fourth having the fourth highest score of the tournament and I
2: said at the times they rebuilt their innings I said look this this is the uh, team innings of uh, a team of champions it's a champion innings and what I meant by that was they found a way to get to a competitive total from very unpromising beginnings. Steve Smith and um, Alex Carey started off. Alex Carey was three uh, off 24 balls and we, everyone was laughing at him. He eventually posted 45 very valuable runs. Steve Smith uh, got a half century of his own before he succumbed to that wonder catch from uh, Sheldon Cottrell on the boundary and uh, that set the platform that allowed Nathan coulter nile to play that freakish inning, certainly as far as his career goes, but they found a way collectively, both with the bat and with, more notably I suppose with the ball when West Indies were, were chasing and and at times looked like they had that chase under control but never
0: quite did one thing I just want to add very quickly is just that don't ever rule out um, what siege mentality does to a sports team and Australia have been ridiculed so Justin Langer
1: so Australia or Pakistan and yet uh, Justin Langer is Jose Mourinho
0: yeah I think you can call him Jose Mourinho in this sense but um, Australia being ridiculed particularly by by, um, England fans More more than any other uh, country, I would say. You don't think they're going to love coming to England and sticking it down everyone's throat? Come on. Uh,
1: I still think that the, uh, the conversation around Australia is shrouded in generational Anglo fear. Uh, not from me moving on from uh, from the tabletop as the team who found themselves at the bottom of the table are Afghanistan who I think it's, a, it's, it's saying something about how far they've come that actually they've been, I've actually been a little bit disappointed with uh, how Afghanistan played even though they actually haven't played too badly in either game against Afghanistan they should have beaten Sri Lanka should have, yeah. the, the other day and uh, my uh, uh, performance of the week goes to their old war horse the gods made Muhammad Nabi, and they saw that he must do. He came to play with bats and ball with a style like silken wood. When, when losers say she's house, well, you know that it's a lie. The gods made Muhammad Nabi, and he's never gonna die. Lahiru Thiromani, Kassal Mendes and Angelo Matthews all fell in the same over uh, to the beautiful off-spin bowling of uh, Mohamed Nabi. But uh, Afghanistan, their fielding has been shoddy uh, for the most part. And uh, they haven't had the explosive starts with the bat that they uh, would have wanted. Uh, well, I think it also says something about Afghanistan's uh, progress in, in, on
2: the world stage. The game against Sri Lanka the other day almost felt like Sri Lanka for long periods were underdogs in that game. I found myself rooting for Sri Lanka uh, as the underdog and that wouldn't have been the case um, a little while ago. Uh, but Afghanistan, I mean, talking about how street-smart, street-wise Australia were, particularly today, uh, that's something that Afghanistan lacked in that game and couldn't, couldn't put it to bed. And indeed, when they played Australia, a few of their batsmen got starts and got out with 20 overs to go, playing two expansive shots. Yeah. Just those little moments where you need to be a bit clever about it, they hadn't quite nailed.
1: Yeah, you can kind of sum that up in the two dismissals of Gulbadim Naib, the, the, uh, uh, the Afghan captain, who has batted very well in, the, in this tournament, but uh, uh, got out to a... a, sl- a, a a ball to Marcus Stones that wouldn't, shouldn't really have been that threatening. One that just leapt on him a little bit, trying to play a shot that uh, wasn't there to be played. And then uh, the run-out where he uh, unaccountably uh, failed to extend his bat or to really dive uh, when uh, he could have won uh, his team that game. But Afghanistan uh, take on the tabletop as New Zealand on uh, on Saturday uh, at Taunton. A game uh, that I, Annie Chave and Dr. Katie Scott of this parish will be privileged to be at uh, well, uh, we're we'll coming to the end of uh, episode uh, one. We'll just ask uh, our uh, guests, Paul and uh, Marshall, for their their the things to watch for the week ahead.
2: Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, you've you mentioned a game that you're going to. I'm, I'm taking my missus and two boys to the England versus Bangladesh game in Cardiff on Saturday. Very much looking forward to that. Particularly looking forward to a, an electric atmosphere, lots of stuffed tigers, uh, and hopefully an excellent game that will uh, be a bit breezy in Cardiff, but not rained upon. So that's what I'm looking forward to.
1: Match your highlight of week two. Things to watch or highlight? Things to watch. Well, you can you can have a you can have a you can forecast a highlight if you'd like.
0: <laughs> um, okay, I think things to watch for this week coming up. I think South Africa are going to get their first win. I think they'll beat the West Indies. Um, and that's not that's not my natural pessimism coming. I actually think they will beat the West Indies. Australia India. I'm looking forward to that game. Um, that's coming up on that's Sunday. on Sunday. Sunday, I believe. Um, and I think by the time you record episode two. Um, of GC World Cup Extra um, I think we'll see, start to see this uh, tournament take a bit more shape in terms of teams we can definitely say like, I already think Afghanistan and South Africa are going nowhere but I think we'll be able to see which other sides probably are going nowhere in this competition Well here's a prediction for you on that India Australia game and this sort of feeds into we were going
2: to talk about a player of, of the tournament so far, mine is Mitchell Stark so I, I'm, I'm going to back Mitchell Stark to do a number on India and Australia to win that game
1: Them's fighting words from Grubby, if you're out there uh, in India. Yeah, we'll be covering that game. Uh, we'll be covering uh, between ourselves and Guerrilla Cricket South Africa, covering every single ball of this 2019 uh, World Cup. You can get GC World Cup extra before anybody else uh, by uh, becoming a patron at Patreon.com forward slash uh, Gorilla Cricket. Uh, if uh, but uh, if you wanna uh, if you wanna wait, and why do you wanna wait? You can find us on Podbean, find us on iTunes, find us on Acast, and find us on Spotify. Thank you very much to Marshall Patrick Hewitt and Paul Howarth and producer John. I'm Knuckle M Pandey. See you next week.
2: Podcast Network.